Um, good morning. Good morning. Um, happy 2023. That's wild. Um, this morning I was driving my, my sons to school and my nine-year-old was like, we were talking about 2023. And he was like, yeah, mom, and you were alive in the 19s. <laughs> I was like, the 19s. And he was like, yeah, you know, 19, what was it, 80? And I was like, yes, 1981. So anyway, here we are in 2023. Um, I hope you guys had a great break. It's great to be back with you. Um, I know it can take me a couple of days to get back into the routine of things, so I hope your first few days of classes are going well. Um, so over the break, um, I finished what turned out to be a very slow and unhurried read through the book of Exodus. Um, I read it before, um, and I, I was reminded through this last time through it that I just, I really love the book of Exodus. It's full of so many great stories. Um, also a lot of weird things in the book of Exodus, like in the, probably the whole Old, the Old Testament. Um, but then I, I came to chapter 32, which is a really familiar story. It's the, the story of the golden calf, right? When um, we know this story, Moses, he, he goes up to Mount Sinai to talk with God, and he delays. That's all it says, is he delays. And while he is delayed, the people of Israel, um, they get really impatient. And so they come to Aaron, and they're like, um, Moses is taking a long time. So we decided that we want you to build us an idol um, so that we can worship it, right? And we read that, and we're like, that's a little crazy. <laughs> like, do you, ask, do you know what you're asking? So Aaron does it, right? He says, sure, I'll build you an idol. So they bring all their gold, and they bring their jewelry. It's a, it gets really descriptive. They take off their bracelets, they take off their rings, and they contribute it to the making of this golden calf so that they can worship it. And then we know what happens after that, right? Um, God sees what they are doing. He gets rightly angry. Um, and he, he, he says, I'm going to destroy my people. And Moses intercedes for them. And God relents a little bit. There's still a judgment, um, which is hard to read. But it's not the judgment they deserve. Instead, right after that, the rest of the book of Exodus, instead of God pouring out judgment on his people, He's actually declaring his mercy to them. And he's, he gives them their, his name, and he, remember, he re reinforces and reiterates the promise that he made with them. And he describes himself as a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So he promises also to give them his presence. And then after that, he gives them the law again, right? So I think it's so interesting that as God is displaying his mercy to the people that really deserved his judgment, he's displaying his mercy and his loving kindness by giving them his presence and also giving them the law. In other words, he's saying, look, I know what is best for you, and I'm going to give you the best ways to live. If you want to flourish, this is how you should live. But I noticed something else this time around, and when I was reading through Exodus, in addition to his presence and the law, God also spent time giving his chosen people rhythms and liturgies. So God's steadfast love, it was fully on display in his presence and in the law, the 10 best ways to live, right? 
but it was also evident in the repeated routines that he laid out for his people. So if you read the end of Exodus, what you'll see is all these very detailed descriptions about Sabbath regulations. Um, You'll see detailed descriptions about feasts and sacrifices and even the clothes that the priests were supposed to wear. You'll see lots of instructions for the tabernacle. Very real, um, tangible, physical, sort of earthy elements to help the Israelites reorient their hearts to the worship of God. It was there to help help form them and shape them to love the God who had rescued them and redeemed them and was demonstrating his continuous steadfast love to them. And I realized that this part of Exodus is actually all about forming habits. So I'm going to talk about habits today. (laughs) And you're all like half of you are like, see ya, right? I don't know about you, but I actually don't love discussions about habits. Um, I am perpetually frustrated at my own inability to be super diligent and and self-disciplined in certain areas of my life. Um, Especially this time of year when everyone is talking about resolutions, I find myself sort of resisting the wave. You know, asking like, what's the point? (laughs) Nobody, Nobody actually keeps their New Year's resolutions anyway. And I I actually think there's a reason for that. We are not wired to um, make lasting change in dramatic ways. Lasting change rarely comes overnight. Um, I think instead that lasting change happens through the establishment of slow and consistent habits. And I was thinking about that. I was like, actually, that doesn't seem to be a bad thing. It actually seems to be how we were created. And what I mean is this. As humans, we are placed in a context with tons of created rhythms. Just think about it. The sun rises and it sets. The tides, they come in and they go out. Um, Animals hibernate. Trees lose their leaves and then they have buds in the spring. The created order um, instinctively operates in rhythm and those rhythms then influence their behavior. As humans, I think we're built the same way. (laughs) We get hungry when we need food. We get tired when we need rest. Um, We get dirty and so we need to clean, right? We have all these rhythms and what we do then is we develop habits to help us survive in the rhythms. In other words, habits are inevitable. Our lives are actually a mass of all these thousands of little habits. And it seems that God made us this way, and therefore habits must be good. So as I was thinking about that, I was reading some things, and I, was, I found some helpful descriptions about habits and why they are good. So a habit is something that we do without thinking about it. It is something that has become second nature to us. Um, And because of that, habits actually allow us then to focus our attention on more important things. They are, um, think of it as like built-in space creators. They free up mental energy so that we can devote that mental energy to to other things or other aspects of life. Um, One pastor put it this way, they are kingdom extenders. Habits are kingdom extenders because they free up our body to sort of 
um, do these basic things we need to live in order to actually exercise dominion and have more bandwidth as we do that. So instead of having to pay attention, for example, to the way that I brush my teeth every morning and evening, um, I can turn, because of my habits of teeth brushing, I can turn my attention to something else as I'm brushing my teeth, right? I can menu plan, I can think about a conversation I have with my kids. Um, I'll be honest, I write lots of my chapel talks in the shower. Like, it just happens that way, right? Or this is why, for example, you can walk out the door in the morning and have this, like, sudden panic where you're like, oh my gosh, did I put on deodorant, <laughs> right? Did, did I grab my keys? your habits of daily hygiene actually probably freed up space for you when you were getting ready in the morning so that you could think about an assignment or you could think about your weekend plans. This means that habits are great gifts from God. Um, and they are so helpful in our participation in the kingdom of God. But they are also really powerful. So there's a dangerous side to this too. Habit, bad habits can also become second nature. Ungodly behavior and thought patterns can also become muscle memory. So when sin creeps into our habits, we find them to be just as powerful, but in a destructive direction. When our habits are not moving us toward Jesus, they are actually by default moving us away from him. On Monday, Chaplain Lowe encouraged us to taste and see the goodness of the Lord, right? To be actively engaged in walking in the Jesus way, not to be content to just sit back and be observers. I think that process actually begins on the level of our habits. If you have a desire to change or grow or reform or improve, the place to start is with our habits. This is why, if we go back to the book of Exodus, God gave the people of Israel a vision for the best life through the law, but also a system of habits and liturgies to help form them and shape them and reorient them towards that best life. Habits are God's idea because he loves us. Sometimes I don't think about habits that way. I don't think of habits as something that God has given to us because he loves us. But when you start to look for this, you will see it all over the biblical narrative. Perhaps one of the best examples is in Deuteronomy 6, um, 4 through 12. So I'm going to read that. Just pay attention to this language. This is God um, telling the people of Israel, sort of reiterating the law again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care 
lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do you hear it? (laughs) We are called to love the Lord our God with our whole beings. But what happens when things are going well and we get comfortable and we are full? We forget. We forget the Lord. So what do we do about that? Well, God says in this passage that we should set up habits to reorient our heart to what is true. Did you hear the language of like the daily household rhythms, right? When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, as you parent, as you go to work, as you cook, right? There's no place where habits do not touch our lives. So form habits that are daily and in every mundane moment to reorient your heart. But then God says, don't stop there. Put visible reminders all around you so that you see with your eyes and are prompted towards worship. This, Deuteronomy 6, it's basically a a call to faithful habit making. So friends, habits are meant to serve us, not the other way around. The fact that our brains have this incredible ability, it's, it's this plasticity that's required to do the myriads of things without even thinking about it, that is an amazing gift from our Creator. But first, we have to cultivate good habits, or else we will find ourselves drifting. That's just what, that's what happens. We just drift. We don't cultivate good habits. And what happens is we drift away from being actually more human. We drift farther away from being the women and the men that God has designed us and called us to be. This is the hard part, right, is cultivating good habits. We might get behind the benefit of good habits, but actually creating them is the challenge. Um, The other day I was driving and I pulled into a driveway to visit a friend and the driveway had this really significant I'm like cringing as I say it, dip that I didn't see, right? So I pull into the driveway and I just scraped the entire bottom of our car. I, so, right, you're all like cringing. I, I braked immediately and I, was, I did, I cringed. And I had this moment where I was like, oh dear, what do I do, right? I had unintentionally driven my car into a place and bottomed out, basically. And I had one choice. If I could either, well, two choices. One is I could just stay in their driveway forever. Or two, the only choice I had was that I was going to have to back out, scrape the car again so that I could be free, right? I think forming habits is like that. We might look and be like, oh dear, my life is drifting in a direction I am not super happy with. But then when you decide to create good habits, it feels like you are scraping the bottom of your car. But that is the only way towards freedom. That is what is required. Habits sometimes hurt, and they are uncomfortable. (laughs) I think that's why we're so bad at habits. That's why I'm I'm gonna be, that's why I'm so bad at habits, right? I think it's because I do not like to do hard things when it really gets down to it. I don't like to do hard things. And I have this desire for immediate gratification, and I just really wish change was like immediate. Habits require humility on our part, right? We just gotta kinda let the driveway scrape our car. But it also requires a lot of patience and consistency and dependence on the Holy Spirit. 
but I truly believe that godly habits are the only way to experience the abundant life that Jesus offers us. If we want to walk in the Jesus way, as Chaplain Lowe said on Monday, we start first with our habits. Spiritual formation is a reformation of habits. We, want to, we start to become more like Jesus, one little habit at a time. Okay, so I actually want to finish up with something practical. I have a habit to get you started, but two words of warning before I do that. I am well aware of you, that many of you or some of you are maybe quick to dismiss this idea of habit for whatever reason, right? But the danger, danger number one, is that when we ignore the power of habit in our life, we will soon find ourselves given over to our desires. And sin, it creeps in really quickly. And before we know it, we are drifting into places that we do not want to be. And places that will ultimately destroy us. But here's the other danger. I know that some of you in this room are like, yes, all about habits. And you will get very serious about cultivating good habits, but will actually become less loving in the process. That is destructive too. When we read scripture, we see that habits are meant to help us love God and love others. It's that idea of being kingdom extenders. Habits are meant to lead us to love, which ultimately means then that habits should lead us to the one who is love, the one who first loved us. For it is truly only in doing life with Jesus that we find what our souls are really longing for and find what our hearts actually desire. We find life abundant when we start walking in the way of Jesus. But here's something pretty incredible. Jesus does not call us to go places where he has not gone before, even in this conversation of habits. Think about this. Jesus, the creator God, the one who put all of the rhythms of the tides in order, he emptied himself and took on the form of humans, and he submitted himself to human habits, the habits of rest, of cleaning, of eating, of working. He also submitted himself to the habits towards wholeness. He prayed. He sought solitude and silence. He meditated on the word of God, right? The word of God meditated on the words of God. The Jesus way is the way of habits. We follow him in that place. Following Jesus is less about grand gestures and more about the thousands of small habits that make up our lives. So that being said, I am going to end with something practical. There is so much that actually could be said here about habits that lead you to wholeness. And as I was preparing this, there, it just, there's so much to say, um, and it's fun to talk about. And actually, I would encourage you to talk with each other about this. Let this be a lunchtime conversation starter for you. What are habits that you have formed that help you walk in the Jesus way? What habits keep you grounded in the word of God and in prayer? Do you have habits that re reorient your heart toward gratitude or worship or joy or contentment or service? Talk about those things with one another. But for the sake of time and honestly, 
because I know that we are all at really different places when it comes to this conversation around habits. I wanna actually just leave you with one practical suggestion, one takeaway. This is just a place to start if this conversation around habits just at least intrigues you. It is small, but that means that it's doable. It is possible. And here's my suggestion. When you first wake up in the morning, invite God to be part of your day. When you first wake up in the morning, invite God to be part of your day. Before you do anything else, before you look at your phone, talk to God. Before your heat, your feet, try this again, your feet hit the floor and your to-do list comes rushing at you, acknowledge that God is near. Acknowledge that the Spirit indwells you. Maybe this means that you tell Jesus what you are anxious about or what you are excited about or maybe what you are sad about. Maybe it means that you turn your grumpiness and that desire to throw your alarm clock across the room, you turn that into confession. Or maybe it means it's a simple prayer like, um, Jesus, help me today. Or son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe it means that you take a minute and you choose a refrain from the Psalms, which were written to be our prayer guidebook, really. And you just choose a refrain to, to repeat every day, whether it's mentally or verbally. Um, some of my favorites actually are His steadfast love endures forever from Psalm 118. Or on hard days, maybe you utter, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted from Psalm 34. Or this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What would change in your life with Jesus if those truths and refrains and prayers and conversations with God actually became as natural to you as inhaling and exhaling? What if it became second nature to acknowledge that each new day is a gift from our good and generous God and that he will be with you and that he loves you and that he never withholds any, get any good thing from you in that new day. When you wake up, talk to God. Invite him to be part of your day. Start with that habit. It will take you literally not even two minutes. Start there and see what happens. And you can build on those habits, but it's one small thing at a time. That is my encouragement to you. These are the places where true transformation takes place. All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge that today is a day that you have made and you have given it to us. We have this gift of life because you love us and you have invited us to participate with you in the work that you are doing. Lord God, we want to be more like Jesus. Would you please shape our hearts and our habits so that we may love you more and love others more. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.